Hey, hey, you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. This is John Goldman, and we're on Radio Harbor Country, WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. I'm happy to say that I have a uh, different kind of musician in the studio today. Her name is Beth Bradfish, and uh, started out as a musician, a classical musician, and uh, has evolved to be a sound artist. So I'm looking forward to hearing all about it. In the meantime, I want to play you just a sample of uh, some of her work. Um, And here we go. That was just a sample of Bed Breath, Bed Beth Bradfish's work, and uh, looking forward to talking with her. Hi, Beth. How are you? I'm good. How are you, John? Good. Glad to have you in the in the studio here. Thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. I'm pleased to be here. So I have uh, so many questions. I mean, um, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I've I, I've heard your uh, your work. Uh, at um, a sound bath that uh, Elizabeth Nudie had a um, couple months, many months ago, I would say at this point. And um, you came with a laptop and you supplemented a lot of the things that she was doing with gongs and, and uh, um, uh, crystal bowls and, and metal bowls and things like that. Um, so uh, your, your work is is not necessarily uh, creating music, but creating sound. And you can, you're, you, you're a sound artist. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. I uh, do create music too. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> uh, let's, we, let, why don't we talk about that? That sounds like a good uh, base to start from. And this show, we have a lot of musicians come on and it's usually pretty, pretty straightforward. You know, they've, they've written this song or they've written that song and, and your work is uh, much much more um, harder to put a put a pin on, I would say, and certainly doesn't fit with any with any genres that I'm always struggling with anyway. Um, so, uh, in terms of of music that you play, uh, what kind of instruments do you play? Well, I studied the piano for many years, oh. and so piano is my first instrument. But uh, along the way, I've studied other instruments too: um, violin and little cello and flute mainly so I understood how to compose for them. So my training is as a composer. So I have written uh, for all instruments and for orchestra. Uh-huh. Um, 
So that's my background. And as I've gone along past, I'd say, five or six years, I've just gone in a bit of a different direction, further and further away from composed music to... um, I like to create environments that people can walk into. So the experience you had with Elizabeth, I, of course, like you, I've experienced some of her sound baths and love them. And I find them very complete in and of themselves. So when Elizabeth asked me to maybe collaborate with her in some way, I wasn't quite sure. I really wanted to support what I knew to be that experience. So I was simply looking to take her sounds that she's making with her gong and the uh, instruments you the talked about, and, the bowls uh-huh. and all that, and and try and support them, so sonically support them, so that it floated. And you know, I just gave it more of an opportunity to float. Oh, is really, okay. what I was looking to do. That I don't know if I accomplished that, but that's what I was. That was my goal. I see. Okay. And and I, as you say that, I definitely would say that you did accomplish that goal. Uh, what kind of things did you do to accomplish that goal? Uh, what kind of sounds did you in, employ to do that? I used, first of all, I, I think I had, I don't know if I had six or eight speakers around. Right. So I had speakers that surrounded the room. So... I was trying to think of the spaces in Elizabeth's music that either I wanted to complement or fill in. So I use a lot of sine waves, just pure sound sine waves. Uh And I think about those areas within the spectrum where I might want to fill something in. I see. And then I complement that, too, as I will blend with sine waves, um, Instruments like a flute, or you know, I'll just take a single sound and blend that in there. So I'm just looking to weave, uh-huh. weave sound. So when you're um, creating like that, are you looking at it in terms of uh, tones or um, uh, notes like you know, A, B, C? Uh, you're looking, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, to an extent. Sometimes I'll want to know what the the fundamental sounds are uh-huh. that are going on. So I have, and I have ways of analyzing that. So if I had a pre-recorded, say, recording of Elizabeth, yes, but then I never know which way Elizabeth's going to go. But That's right. <laughs> if I if I did, <laughs> and knew she was going to repeat herself, I could say, okay, um, she tends to work with these, particularly like an E and an F, and it'll go off to an F sharp here or something like that. If I know that that's the environment then I'll work with it. If I don't know, then I just have to have a a sort of a general feeling. Yes, okay. But you're not necessarily going to match her um, gong that maybe is a G with uh, an underlying G tone. Uh, You've talked about using sine waves and and, um, uh, other sounds to to sort of add add an underlayer to what she's playing. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so you mentioned that you had first started playing piano. Is this at a young age? You know, as a kid, you started playing piano. Yeah, I was. I was little. I was like two years old. Oh, that is yeah. My gra- yeah. I was living with my grandparents, and they had a piano, and yeah. and uh, that was a did, favorite thing. <laughs> did anyone else in the house play piano as well, or just sitting out there waiting for you to just start? You know, putting your your. Uh, Dirty fingers, I'm not right. sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my grandmother did. So, yeah, yeah, no, there was always lots of music in the house. Oh, so, good. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So that, and then I started lessons, I think, when I was about seven years old. Oh, okay. Did uh, your grandmother teach you how to play any songs or any? No, or she just, just gave me the example. Yeah, okay. And my grandfather was most encouraging because he clapped. Ah, good. Yeah, <laughs> clapped along or just uh, just After. cheered you on. <laughs> he waited yeah. and then he clapped. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> and where did you grow up? In the Chicago area? Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. So on the south side of Chicago. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, were your grandparents um, in the musical industry in any way, or they just happened to have a piano in their apartment? They happened to have a piano. In their house. Yeah, I just yeah. recently found out that that was bought by my grandmother's sister for my grandmother's son, uh-huh. who was very talented, my uncle. So, uh, yeah, so they happened to have this 
beautiful Baldwin baby piano in their little apartment, <laughs> and it's, it was it's just amazing. So not an upright piano, but like a grand piano. A grand piano. Oh, yeah. Nice. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah just beautiful. And so your, is your uncle, uh, was he a musician? Yes. Yeah. He Well, not professionally, but uh, he really was good. And he was out playing with the big bands. And uh, well, he was, he was singing with the big bands. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah. So I grew up with jazz. Oh, okay. Uh, and was he with any... A big jazz band that uh, persevered, or uh, yeah, I think he. I, I'm trying to remember the stories I heard because I've just recently heard some more stories. But they, I want to say Tommy Dorsey and oh, you know, wow. so you know, and and they were saying uh, Mel Torme played on that piano. Ah. I mean, people <laughs> would pass through town, and you know, so yeah. That's really amazing. Yeah. Uh, did you get to meet any of these people when you were young? This no, is just this things was you heard about much prior later to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so by the time that you were playing this piano in your grandmother's apartment, um, uh, they had already sort of been done playing the piano. They, they were pretty the much piano. done. Yeah. 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 So it was so all mine. They were probably happy to, to <laughs> yeah. have you banging on the keys. And so, uh, um, did you, well, so you started playing, uh, getting lessons when you were seven and all that. Did you show promise at an early age? Was it that kind of situation or I think uh, did I you just, struggle through lessons? Uh, I didn't lessons struggle. Like I did? <laughs> did you? Did you struggle? Oh, yeah. Did oh. you take piano? I took piano. I took violin. I, uh, you know, I took trombone. I tried guitar a couple times. Uh, I would say I struggle with uh, with learning how to play music. And, <laughs> I and, enjoy music, but I've never really been able to find my ear it's always been so so rote that uh it didn't sound like anything it's like okay i'm following i, I could read notes so i would follow mm-hmm. along but it didn't sound like music it sounded like hunting and pecking on a typewriter you know no flow yeah but, yeah uh, well anyway that's <laughs> yeah yeah but but you came out of it with this love of music and this I great curiosity yeah i've listened to your uh your podcast, oh, so yeah, you. yeah, yes. your curiosity is wonderful. You get right into the sticks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I wish I had that that uh, talent, but uh, I've I've uh, accepted the fact that I don't. So okay, there you go, and here <laughs> so this, you are. <laughs> here's the other side of it, I guess. <laughs> Thank you for being who you are. <laughs> So, uh, did you um, did you play in any kind of bands when you were uh, at a young age? When I was in high school and college, I was singing actually in oh. uh, folk groups. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, so fun. my sophomore year in college, I ended up um, in a program in Europe, and uh, by happenstance, stance met up with uh, some some of the fellows from our group, and they played the guitar, and we had a double bass and um we ended up singing all over europe we couldn't you know we couldn't get make money but uh-huh. they give us food and put oh, us wow. up and so we yeah so i had a wonderful time so so you went there for like a study abroad program yes, and yeah. did you stay afterwards to um, do this this touring around with these with these folks we did it while we were just there. while you were there yeah and what our fun teachers That's... were terrific they just you know they let us we just go by the second semester. We were just off touring all the time. <laughs> We'd come back for exams and uh-huh. uh, do our papers overnight, and <laughs> oh wow, head back out. So, so this was it a. Uh, um, were, were you in school for some kind of musical degree or uh, no? No, okay. No, I started as a piano major, uh-huh. but I, um, I, I, I had a very strong sense that I did not want to perform. Uh, and I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. So um, I ended up, that was my freshman year. By sophomore year, I went on this program, ended up with a French literature major because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh And then it took about another 20 years before I really got back to music. Oh, I see. So you had a whole career or uh, life after college. And, uh, and then you came back to it after, after that part of the things were done. Yeah. So, um, uh, well, but you went to college with the idea of being a piano major. Mm-hmm. Did you, um, you must have excelled at, 
at um, music or piano in high school. Yeah. And did you take classes in high school as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'd been studying straight through. I see. And, uh, yeah, I'd gotten pretty advanced. And what I didn't recognize is that, um, and I had t- started taking during high school theory and uh, composition classes, but it didn't, I thought of a composer as like Beethoven. Right. And right. that was not me. I mean, I just couldn't see that I was anybody like that. Although I would do my piano studies and then I'd always save time for myself at the end and rework things the way I wanted them. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so you did the assignment. I did the and assignment. And then you did it the way you wanted it. Then to I do. did, yeah, yeah, for better or worse, you know. Right. <laughs> so for the assignments, you were probably following a strict protocol Abs- on yeah, how you, right. how you had- compose and... Uh, well, that takes away some of the creativity, I'm guessing. Well, this no, this was actually playing the piano. So oh, I was following playing the piano. Yeah, so I, I was you. following the notes on the page and yeah. doing what I was supposed to do. And then I'd go and sort of rearrange things. And then I would get, you know, some of the standards, the jazz standards, and rearrange those. And I didn't, but I didn't see that I was... I was composing. It didn't uh-huh. occur to me. It, to oh, me, it was I see. like mischief. Yeah. It was what I wasn't supposed to be doing. Oh, I see. So um, it was sort of uh, early improv yes, or early exactly. jamming, really. Is yes. You just kind of go off on these uh, musical tangents to the, the scripted music. Yes. So yeah. that was pretty early on, I, I would say. That, yes, um, yes. That uh, you... So, I mean, that that's a lot of what jazz is also. There's mm-hmm. always that option for breaking out and, and being, you know, spontaneous and uh, creating spontaneously while you're, while you're going. Yeah. Uh, did you um, share that with people? Did you, you know, share your... Uh, this this kind of music that you were doing when, at that time, or these are just fun things that you kind of did while after you're done practicing. More the latter, yeah. yeah. You know, if if you were around my house, you'd hear it. Or yeah. If you were in my dormitory in college, you'd hear it. But I pretty much was, yeah, I was doing it for myself. Yeah. Um, so other than piano did you play any other musical instruments in high school uh, or are you stuck with piano pretty much at that point piano and then voice ah, i see so did you take voice lessons no i didn't just started I singing just, yeah yeah and so then when you were with these uh the group of people in europe um all americans were they mm-hmm. how many of how many of um, how many of how many were you in five. this group five, five. so okay. four there were four guys yeah. and myself yeah oh okay and you were uh, strictly the singer of the group and one other one other uh, uh, one, one of the, of the boys. guys yeah did, uh-huh. did you uh, play any instruments at that time no okay what kind of songs did you sing did you guys have your own songs that you were playing or peter uh, paul and mary oh that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah. like just real yeah folk music absolute folk music oh, that's yeah fun. yeah and that must have that must have been really thrilling to the european crowds that have these five americans coming around and and playing folk music, uh, was it a big success? Were you able to, um, well, it sounds like you couldn't make money because you were yeah. American students and you weren't allowed to make money, but was it was it busking? Was it like playing outside or were you playing in venues? We were playing in venues. So we were in coffee houses and, um, you know, public schools and, you know, places oh. like that, but mainly coffee houses, I think. And there's there was just a whole... Um, just you know we had a manager we had oh, okay. we had a manager who found these places for uh-huh. us and another um, student in the program no i don't know oh. one of th- <laughs> these i was with these guys were really terrific <laughs> and they found these managers and they found these places for us and um it was all kind of wonderful yeah, yeah. that sounds fun and you, yeah. you did that about for that whole year for that year yeah and, and that- the year was really special because it was 1968 uh-huh. And so I'm dating myself. So now you've, <laughs> now you've got the full picture of, of what's here. But um, so that was the year and that spring where um, Martin Luther King was killed. Right. Uh, John Kennedy was killed. Well, Robert so, Kennedy. Or, excuse me, Rob, Robert Kennedy. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a really powerful time. Sure. And we were out singing during all those things going on. And yeah. 
we're America, so people wanted, students wanted to talk to us and uh-huh. say, what in the heck is going on? Yeah. What, you know, what is this? And I was only 18 at the time, so it was a real awakening for me because those questions were like, whoa, how do I answer that? I don't know. What yeah. do I know about what's going on? So it really was a wonderful time to wake up. Right, right. It was a, a big wake up for a lot of people back then, mm-hmm. and there was just so much political strife going on, and and you know, new things happening in all these different areas, especially music. I mean, it was the summer of love was this the year before yes, that. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Were you in America during the summer of love? Uh, in yes, nineteen sixty-seven. Yeah, yeah. But I missed it. I didn't know that was going on. I was right. just this kid from the South Side, you know? Yeah. Right. Sometimes, uh, you know, you look back and like, oh, that one, I missed that? Oh, yeah. Too bad. <laughs> so uh, then after this year, did you continue on playing with these people or that was kind of the end of, of that? That was the end of it. Yeah. Uh, I, I. It was my, yeah, I'd come back and integrate that experience and figure out what that was all about. Yeah. yeah. And that was the beginning of your um, uh, working to get a French degree or um, mm-hmm. a, a degree in French, I should say. Right. Trying to figure out yeah. what do you make of all this. Right. It took right. me a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so then you took a little time off from music entirely or did yes. you... Um, did you, you know, play around on the piano when you got home or just really just didn't do anything? I think by the time I was 20, I don't know, in my later 20s, oh, okay. I, had, I had pretty much let go of it. I, I just felt like, I felt like the sound I had made didn't make sense to me anymore, and I didn't know what was next. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Had you done any composing uh, at that up to that point in time? Um, Other than the spontaneous yeah, composing not, that we were talking about, right, with not, the, you know, mm-hmm. having fun with the piano, right? Yeah. But in terms of actual, you know, laying notes on paper, kind of composing. No. Okay. When did that all start? That started. Um, in 1996, I, um, I had a very strong urge. I had ended up doing, I made my living as a writer up until then and for business. Uh-huh. And um, I was doing films and I was for business and working with um, producers and composers for these films we were doing. And I found that work with the composer so interesting. And it just didn't occur to me that... You had it in you. (laughs) Yeah. And so finally one of the people I was working with said, um, you know, have you thought about going back to music? And it was like, wow, wow. Yeah. And it's one of those moments where you don't don't come back from it. Right, right. You just go forward from it. And so I went back. My first thing, because I really ended up mainly studying classical, even though I was doing jazz on the side. I thought I'd go back this time and formally study jazz. Uh-huh. So when, I did. And so when you were studying classical, you mean in high school? High school uh, and first was, year of college. I yeah. see. Okay. And so I started again with this time with jazz, and um, it was within three months of of starting that, that my teacher gave me an assignment to write some stuff. Write and, a few and did tunes. you go back to college at that point? Or no, was it a, I just did private lessons. I see. And uh, piano lessons? Piano learning lessons. Learning jazz? Learning uh, jazz, I yeah. I gotcha. And so you were in your mid-40s at this mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And so uh, this teacher gave me this assignment, which is a, I think is a fairly normal assignment for jazz to you know, make up a few tunes. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> and um, so I I did, and I came back and I put he had some chords for them and all that and and I realized then you know you know just from his reaction from my feeling about it uh-huh. that I was on to something. This was it. He, oh wow! So uh, and how did it did it come naturally when oh, you were easy, writing it like butter? It could have happened. 20 years earlier. It could have. It could have with the right questions. Yeah. You know, I think that's all it is with a good teacher, right? Yeah. The right questions. It's amazing. Yeah. So uh, what did you do with these uh, songs that you created? Well, I just went deep into jazz, deep into uh, trying to understand, you know, the basics of, of, you know, how jazz works, chords. Chords are so gorgeous yeah. in jazz. Have you, have you worked with... 
A little bit. Jazz. Just, just a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I mean, jazz chords are just, oh, my God. You just listen to one chord, and it's like, whoa. You know, <laughs> just, whoa, that's so beautiful. So um, I got into that, and then there was um, there was a, a scale, the octatonic scale. Have you ever heard of the octatonic scale? Uh, maybe I have, but not using that language. Is, uh, is that like... Do re mi fa so that that no, kind of scale. It's, it's no, it's a it's a little different. It's a little. It's got a few more sharps, oh, right. or a few more flats, whichever <laughs> way you want to go with it. Um, but you know, Debussy, uh, the composer Debussy, uh-huh, yeah, sure. and his beautiful these uh, impressionistic pieces he does. Yeah, and especially if you think of some of his piano music, um, where you just feel like the water is flowing in this music. It's just you know, it's, yeah. Ugh. So he uses an octatonic scale. So it's just a scale that's got a few more notes in it than the usual diatonic I see. scale. I mean, uh-huh. you know, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la. It's got more things going on in it, which gives it a whole lot of interest. A lot more color. Yeah. 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 So I, I had read about it, but I didn't understand it. And I asked the teacher I was working with about it, and it stumped him. He had heard of it, but he didn't know where to go with it. Then I went to a, um, a concert at... Uh, uh, Symphony Hall in, in Chicago, uh-huh. the Chicago Symphony, and they had a, a, con- a lecture beforehand. And in the lecture, there was a Debussy piece, and the lecturer talked about the octatonic scale, and he gave these examples on the piano. Oh. Totally brilliant. My yeah. mouth just dropped. <laughs> I mean, this was in the month of the octatonic scale, yeah. and this guy is, is demonstrating how it works right. in Debussy. So... Um, I just thought, oh, my God, I've got to talk to this man. <laughs> so I'm wandering around, you know, at break thinking, how could I ever talk to that man? So I sort of shyly walk past him and say, hi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I thought about it and thought about it, and I called uh, Symphony Center. Uh-huh. And I have to say, for anybody who's interested in this kind of thing, they're very supportive of anybody who wants to know about music. So I asked, I had the name of this person, he gave this lecture, I said, is there any way I could talk to this person? I'd love to take lessons with him. So they said, well, we'll call him, and if he's interested, we'll give him your number. And he called. Wow. (laughs) And I studied with him for, I think, maybe six years. Oh, so that's pretty interesting. That was where it started. Yeah. That really, and he understood both jazz and classical, so Uh it was a wonderful... That's Sebastian Houts, and he's still uh, head of music at uh, at piano music at oh, Columbia College, wow. Chicago. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's a wonderful teacher. So he really shepherded me, shepherded me into composing. Yeah, I, yeah, and that sounds like that was the perfect combination of all the all the sort of musical questions that you had. Yeah, you know, you, you had studied classical, you'd um, been given these songs, and kind of created a little bit of jazz out of those songs with your own with your own thinking on it and and this guy brought it all together and and put it into a framework that you know was really supported by theory mm-hmm. how exciting yeah it was very exciting very heady yes. yeah it was this something you were doing in your part-time or did you um, yes i still had my own business as a writer so uh-huh. i was doing that and then doing this so it, it was a very very uh gradual move over um right to and then i went back to school and got a degree in uh music composition at columbia college chicago so after i worked with sebastian then i went back because i felt i needed even more of a foundation Uh and then was it like a graduate program no this was an undergraduate program uh, with the kids (laughs) (laughs) they must have loved it yeah (laughs) <laughs> and um, I it, I took my time, you know, because I'm going part-time, running yeah. my business, and uh, finally graduated uh, in 2013, and then I, I went full-time to graduate school and got my MFA at uh, Vermont College of Fine Arts in 2015. And that's where I started putting together uh, not so much jazz and classical, but what you heard with Elizabeth, this interest in um, electronics and acoustic. Uh-huh. You know, how can we bring these together? 
and that's that's where I stay today. And on the side, I'm working on jazz. But <laughs> yeah. So do you uh, play with any groups? Uh, play any jazz with other groups or anything like that? No. Do you are, have you been composing any jazz music or even classical music? I have to say, I've only gone back to piano four months ago. Oh, you ventured yeah. into other directions? I other had, I really, or? well, I really have, have been working full time in uh, composing. Uh-huh. So until, you know, during those years with Sebastian while I was at Columbia College Chicago, I was working really in traditional formats of I composing, see. writing, you know, the written Sh- the written the music, music for and, different instruments, yes. And were you doing it as part of, uh, were, were you creating, so, so there's Beth Bradfish compositions out there, or were you working with other composers as and, and doing parts of the composition? Um, I don't know how, how that works yeah. in the composition no, I, business. I, I was writing... Um, for a few years, I was part of, um, after I graduated, I was part of uh, the Chicago Composers Consortium. So that was writing for different ensembles and orchestra. Uh-huh. Um, and that was definitely written music, contemporary, classical, yeah. written music for instruments. So I was doing that. I was usually, when I did that, I also did some electronic components that went with them. So I was uh-huh. bringing those two things together. And, um, yeah, so that that's what I was I doing. see. Okay. And uh, so have your compositions been recorded by symphonies or played by symphonies? Um, it's been played by the Chicago Composers Orchestra. Uh-huh. There's a piece I did for them um, about the insects of the South Pond of Lincoln <laughs> Park. <laughs> I recorded the insects, the singing oh, insects, uh-huh. and wrote a piece that would bring the insects together, the sounds of the singing insects with the orchestra. So, um, yeah. That's a perfect example of a combination of the you know composing with the electronic. Electronics, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what kind of uh, you know recording equipment have you been using uh, to capture these sounds and then incorporate it into the compositions that you've been doing? Uh, you know, so I mean because that's that's uh, instrument intense, I would say, or um, um, equipment intense. You know, having the right kind of recording equipment and uh, right microphones and all that. Like you had to, you had to really. Uh, do you have your your you know go to set of of microphones and recording instruments or it just kind of changes each time and <laughs> loaded <laughs> well, questions. Well, these are right here, beautiful microphones, beautiful you know equipment uh-huh. here. Yeah. Um, I really when I go out and do field recordings, I'm just using a little portable Zoom ah. recorder, uh-huh. um, and I have not gotten beyond that to any fancy microphones i look forward to doing that but that served me i mean yeah. i've been re- capturing you know what i want of those of iphones nature. are amazing <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah no these you know the it's Zoom, not exactly yeah that, right <laughs> yeah um so but in my studio what i work with um is um more professional recording equipment like um pro tools i do my uh uh-huh, right right to, to clean it up and finish yeah. it and combine it right it's yeah. uh um yeah. pretty advanced software pro yes. tools yeah i've heard of that yeah. uh so um well i I'm, I'm curious about some of these compositions that you created so you had one played by the chicago composition uh group <laughs> the orchestra the yeah. orchestra yeah uh are there other compositions that you've created out there, other, other um, you know, symphonies that you've created that uh, are just, you know, kind of sitting on shelves? Um, well, they're, they're, you, they're on my website, so you can <laughs> go to my website. Um, there they, will so be. they've been played, uh, and, and so they're recorded? The actual music has been recorded? Yes. Yeah. And um, the, there will be a CD out um, 
sometime this year, I know, by oh, the fun. Lakeshore Rush with uh, one of the pieces that I wrote for them on it. Um, Does it contain extraneous sounds like um, the the one about the South Shore Pond and, and that thing, uh, that kind of thing? Or uh, is it strictly just musical instruments? This one is just musical instruments, yeah. It's... Um, it's called Curb Silence. I actually wrote it, though, for uh, its own electronics. Uh-huh. Um, it was written for a chair. Um, so it's part of a suite of instruments that I've created. And this is where, what I'm working on right now. Um, I've created a suite of instruments called Home Sounds. And there's a chair. There's a sort of lounge that three people can lie in. And there's a cart with horns on it. And it all resonates. And so I'm creating now sounds for these three instruments so that people can feel the resonation. So if you sit in the chair that I've written this piece for, you can feel the sound going up and down your back. Are there special speakers in the chair that you've put together? There's, it's called transducers, and you attach that to the wood. All these items are wood, mm-hmm. and it's a little disc, and you put it on the wood, and it causes the wood to resonate, and it and that resonation, it ma- makes it a speaker. I see. So it just sort of goes into your body. It's it not goes just into, your, into body. your ears. Exactly. Uh, can you hear it too, like yes. through your ears? Yes. But you definitely feel it through you your body. You feel it, yes. Does it have to be like at a certain sound level for it to really um, allow you to, to feel it like that? or It doesn't have to necessarily be loud, but what I experiment with is what travels through the wood best. Right. So it's not just like a, a loudspeaker that, you know, that's... I'm limited by the wood itself, the wood that I choose. So I have to experiment with it to see what's going to work with it. Wow. So you went from composing in a more traditional sense, expanded that to adding your own electronically recorded exterior sounds and incorporating that, and, and you evolved into this whole different sort of subset of music sound. Uh, how did how did it jump from you know from one to the other like that? Um, I ran into a, an artist, uh, uh, an artist um, who was doing something similar. She was doing these big boxes that you could like a big box with a you know a super mattress in it. Uh-huh. And she'd put these huge speakers underneath. It wasn't speakers, but transducers. So the whole thing would vibrate. And she wanted to create one for each city, each, each major city. Uh-huh. And I, she's, she was in London. I'm sorry, I can't remember her name now. But um, I talked to her because I thought it was such a cool idea. And I just, I love the feel of sound. Yeah. You know, like it went right, to like go to a... Right, like bass sound. Yes. When you're sitting, you know, you're at a concert or something. Yes, and, exactly. Uh, it, it's not something you experience when you're listening to it in your car no. by any means. Mm-mm. But you go to a concert, especially like those EDM concerts where mm-hmm. there's uh, electronic dance music. And you're just, that's all you feel. Just like boom, 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 boom. Yes. Doesn't uh, it, isn't yeah. it great? Don't yeah. you love it? Yeah, yeah I do. It, I'm not a huge fan of electronic dance music, but... I do enjoy that, that, that feeling, feeling like you're being lifted almost. Yes, yes. Okay. I agree. <laughs> and I don't, <laughs> it's not like I like loud music, you know, but I love that. You yeah. know, it's like, give me more of that. You right, know? right. <laughs> so that's what interested me. And she was doing this. Anyhow, I, I wasn't able to make it happen in Chicago with her. You know, mm-hmm. It was going to get too expensive. But I, I just wanted to do it. So I kept trying to think of ways. So... I've ended up, I've, I've got some collaborators, and, and I'm so pleased. I, as you can tell, it's these people I meet that make things possible. Right. So there's somebody I've, I've known uh, for a while. I actually met her through her mother, and she's a wonderful uh, sculptor and woodworker. Her name's Celia Greiner, and she's in Chicago. And so I asked Celia if she'd work with me on these projects, and 
Um, and she has. She's come up with these beautiful designs for this chair and this, you know, these wood objects. And then my other collaborator is um, Alex Inglisian, and he's with Electronic Sound Studio and uh, Experimental Sound Studio in Chicago. And he's an well, he's a musician, but he's also very much an engineer. I mean, he uh -huh. really understands engineering and sound engineering. So I sometimes come up with an idea, and I've got an idea of how it could work, but I need the engineering sure, details. Sure, right. You know? Yeah, it's not just enough to put a transducer on, on yeah. the side of the chair. You want to have someone who can do the math <laughs> exactly exactly yeah so alex um is wonderful because i'll go to him with a problem and he'll say hmm you know and the next thing you know uh -huh. he's teaching me stuff that's blowing my mind away you know oh that's great to isn't have. it lovely yeah yeah and uh, so you've this is your latest thing with the mm -hmm. chair and the, yeah. and the couch yeah. and um uh, is it set up somewhere? I mean, how does this translate to being able to be seen or, or experienced by people? Uh, is this something that you put together? And, uh, you know, it's not like, okay, you have a regular musician. They uh, come up with a song. They, they go, maybe they record it and people can buy the album. Or, or maybe they go to a, a venue and people can watch it. Well, you know, what's, how do you reach your market? Um, doing the kind of work that you do? Is it, how does that work? Yeah. <laughs> I know. It, and I've had these basically in my living room. Uh -huh. <laughs> I've been living with these things. And um, uh, it, they, I've gotten support from the city of Chicago, from DCASE, the Department oh, of uh -huh. uh, Cultural Affairs. And, um, and, of course, we had you know this period of, of COVID where everything got quiet. Yeah. And, there wasn't anywhere out of my living room. With this, you know. <laughs> but um, I did just a month ago, uh, no, two months ago now, um, got an opportunity um, in, through the city of Chicago. So um, they will be at the Cultural Center uh, uh. in September, um, and I hope for the month of September. Um, can people it, sit on them and yes. experience them? Yes. Oh, that's so great. So they'll be in a, in part of on the first floor of the cultural center in in the idea lab or in the idea lab. Yes, the learning lab. And what I'll be able to do there is be there one or two days a week, so that when people come in, what I'm very interested in is how the sound works for people. Right. I want to compose different things. That's. Um, that really gives people that feeling, you know, and I hope sure. a good feeling, you know, and mixing it with um, not just uh, sound waves, but, you know, some pleasant sounds, whether it's nature sounds or chimes or bells or whatever it is. I'm, I'm working on that right now, but also that pure sound that you really can experience and feel. Yeah. And um, have you looked at sound in terms of how it, uh, helps heal, you know, creates healing power, you know, has healing powers and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, and there's a lot of research going on right now, which is very exciting with, uh, rhythm and sound and, and sound. Uh -huh. Yeah. And how people are using it, uh, for, for healing, for mental health. Um, and so that's, yeah, I'm very interested in reading everything I can, uh, about that. um, well, one of my favorite musicians, uh, Mickey Hart, who's been a drummer for the Grateful Dead since yeah. you know 1965 or something like that. Uh, he his biggest side project is you know this whole. At one point, he did this whole thing where he was capturing sounds from different places, almost like with a a thought of preserving it for future generations, like you know things that might have uh, you know drum sounds and things like that. Um, but he, you know he is his whole thing is we're all energy. We're all, you know, moving around and, and, uh, um, that th these rhythms and these sounds have such a tremendous effect on us. And, you know, people like music, they like listening to music. Maybe they don't even know why they like a particular song or whatever, but there's this underlying, uh, interaction between humans or, or the energy of humans and, and these sounds that come from these different sources. And, 
just fascinating to, well, fascinating that you're kind of experimenting with that and trying to get to the bottom of it and, and, you know, not reducing it to uh, a composition, but, you know, really just getting to the very root and looking at how those sounds affect people. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating and so fun. (laughs) Isn't it fun? Yeah. 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 You've had other installations too. Um, So this one at the Chicago Cultural Center, um, that sounds like it's going to come into play in like September or so. That's not your first sort of foray into this this uh, area of creating sound and and displaying it and things like that. No, um, you've so you've done other installations before. Tell us about you know some of the other installations that you've done the art, sound art installations. Sure, um, one was nearby. It was in Kalamazoo, the Kalamazoo Valley Museum, oh. uh, and that was there for about a year um, during COVID. Um, they were open for three hours a week, <laughs> but we were grateful that they were open for three yeah. hours. Yeah. You know? So what I did for them, um, and this was um, part of the Sacred Michigan Sacred Sound um, Festival. Okay. And um, so they gave me, they let me use a room in the museum. So it was a fairly good sized room uh, with a high ceiling. And um, I had the idea, I'd been working, I have been working now with wood for a while, so I had been working with that, but I I also have worked with glass, with actually um, putting these transducers on glass so that, you know, a room, say if a room has all glass walls, you get that room to vibrate. Oh, wow. Using the glass, (laughs) which I think is kind of magic. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So this room had some glass, and then it just had this big empty center, and I had the idea. I hadn't, I don't know, I I think it was summer, and I think we were all behind walls and windows and screens, and so I thought, I just had the thought, I wonder what a screen sounds like, you know, the screens we put on our windows. Uh-huh. So I hung one in my studio, just the, the screen material, and I put um, a, trans, a little transducer on one side, which would cause it to vibrate, carry sound, and on the other side, a little microphone. And I thought, I wonder what happens if these two are together. So the screen had limited ability to vibrate and carry sound, but it could do it, and it made kind of an interesting sound. And the little microphone picked it up. And I found that interesting, you know, that this was happening. And also what happened is if you went up to the screen and touched it, um, well, part of what I did with this, with the electronics, is I can take that sound that's coming off of it and transform it and do things to it. Oh, through your computer. Through my or, computer. Uh-huh. So I could make it shimmer. So even if you just touched it a little, yeah. it would shimmer. Uh, and so I thought, oh, that's fun. <laughs> 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 so we put some sound through there, some music through there. We could, if people touch it, it shimmers. Yeah. You know, and different things could happen. So it became, um, in this room, I had four... 10 by 10 foot screens in there that I did this to. I put these things yeah. so that... Were, so were the screens framed so that they were taut or... They were taut. Okay. They had uh, metal, the, metal bars on either end. Did the uh, uh, amount of the pressure you know, around the screen or holding the screen, did that make a difference sure. in the sound that came out? Okay. Yeah, like a drum. Yeah, you know? yeah. But there was only so much you can do. You know, that material yeah, used for the screens. Yeah, it's very hard is, to be consistent with that. Or, it, it is. It's a... It's, it's, it, it's not like hanging drum material. Yeah. It's ephemeral. Right. So um, so at any rate, we got that going. So people could walk through. I, I made sounds up. That, so the whole room, the glass was shimmering. The screens were shimmering. And then um, we made. I made a film that went, went through all four screens. So it changed just by going through the screens. It became filtered and shimmery yeah and um then uh two musicians came in a percussionist and a cellist so mike weiss and betsy stark came in and i was interested 
in what they would do musically in the room given no direction. Ah, I see. So you set up what essentially is like these very elaborate speakers in a sense because mm-hmm. you had the, the sound coming off the glass, the sound coming off the screen. And so then they played what they were going to play through that system that you created, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's what people were able to experience. Yeah, yeah. And, and so what kind of things did these, you know, the, the cellist and the and, and drummer? Was he and a drummer? He was a percussionist. A percussionist? Yeah. And so what kind of things, and, and they must have been affected by how it sounded. Absolutely, And, and yeah. how they were going to, um, yeah. you know, do what they were going to do. Yeah. Uh, so how did it go? <laughs> it was beautiful. Um, Betsy just, she was just amazing what she could do with it. And um, Mike just went to town. He just yeah. made those. He stood in the middle of two screens and just made them there. And then he had cymbals and he'd play those. And then he just made it all connect. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. nice. So they yeah. sort of composed it as they went along. They composed as they went along. Uh, did you... Um, so this place was... Uh, available to the public, I think you said like three hours a week. Did each of those musicians go into the facility at those particular times, and and that's what people were able to see? Or th- once they did it, then it was pre-recorded and people could experience it yeah. after the fact. Yeah, they could, and they could go in, so they could both uh. see the film I had made. But the thing is, is it was alive. They could go in. We yeah. gave people because it was COVID, and we wanted to limit the contact. We gave them like big uh, popsicle sticks so they could go in and uh-huh. be the percussionists and make the sound they wanted to yeah. to make. Yeah. That's great. And so is it still displayed in Kalamazoo? No, it, oh. it's, it's down. It's had its day. <laughs> it's back in, uh, back in the warehouse. It's, in, it's in the warehouse, literally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, it's not going to degrade that badly that you couldn't ever have it again, but... Uh, so you've kind of created all these. It's almost like these are all different musical instruments that you're making. Yes. The, the chairs and the... Yes. Uh, so uh, have were there any other um, uh, um, incident, things like that, where you were doing um, installations? Yes. Um, so there was um, a couple others. One I did with um, a friend, uh, an artist friend, uh, Connie Noyes, in New York, um, out on Governor's Island in New York, there was there's a bunch of little houses, and they let artists take them over. So we had room there, and Connie um, Connie took uh, some clear wire, just you know, like fishing wire, and just it just made the room was just like filled with spider webs. This oh, way wow. she wired uh-huh. it, but you could walk through it. And um, we were given this. Um, we, this was funded by Harvest Works. They they gave us a grant to do this. And they gave us an engineer, too, um, a wonderful person, um, Sebastian Gonzalez. And he helped me uh, bring these little fishing wires to life. So we put little uh, microphones on them and, again, used um, computers to amplify them and shimmer them. Uh So that's where I first got the idea of Um, how to shimmer makes things shimmer. And so as you walked through, you could make that shimmer, and we did different sound effects that you could get just by walking through this room. And Almost like a living ex- harp. Yes, like exactly. You touched it and yes, it a living heavy. harp. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Next time I'll call it a living harp. <laughs> well, this, uh, the uh, installation at the Chicago uh, Cultural Center that's supposed to start in September sounds just amazing. And, um uh, so what what is planned between now and September in terms of finalizing that? I mean, it sounds like you have the furniture all put together already. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just uh, organizing it, or is that just the timing of when it's going to be, the room is going to be available to you? Is that how, is that how September came around? Uh, but no, we, we actually need some time because um, the last part of this, the last instrument actually, is the platform. So... You can imagine, just looking here, all the wires here, all the wires that are coming out of these instruments right. to make them happen. And I want those to disappear. That's part of the uh, work, is to make wires disappear. Make it look, just look like a plain old chair in the middle a of the room. plain old chair. Where are the wires? You yeah. know? Um, so, and to keep it safe so people don't uh, trip. Right. And, you know, so um, we 
got our last funding has been to create a um, through DCase to uh, create a, a platform, but we're going to make that platform an instrument. So it's going to have its own oh. speakers. Uh-huh. So that will be like the base. Uh huh. I mean, literally the base. Base sound coming the from base, the base. Yeah, it's going to hold that. Oh, yeah. Wow. And so we're creating that now, and so there'll be a you know a, a, a flow yeah. from one thing to the next over this. this. There's. Have you ever heard of synesthesia? I think that's what yes. it's called. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the word I'm thinking of is when you uh, are able to see sound. Where you know some people have this ability that um, when they you know maybe they have to close their eyes, but when they hear sound, they can also see it, and it uh, has patterns and it has lights and things like that. Is this something that uh, that you have as well? Yes, uh, I, yeah. I, I do. I, I, but I, you know, I, I really always encourage people to look for it in themselves. I think yeah. it's part of our humanity. It's there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think I've, I really look for it. Yeah, uh-huh. I li- <laughs> yeah no, I, I, I like it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's, it's really kind of magical because, you know, it's not just that you're hearing it, but mm-hmm. you're seeing sound. Yeah. Um, well, that's that makes it that much more fun that uh, all these kind of inter- well, very interesting sounds that you're creating and and to to have a visual aspect to it as well that just makes it that much more exciting. I would say. <laughs> uh, so, what's next after this, or, or are you just taking it one step at a time? Um, I'm not sure what's. Of course, uh, I'm not sure. It's always experimental. <laughs> Um, but I, I know I was working with Alex, my Alex Inglisian, mm-hmm. last week, and um, I almost just want. Sorry, I, I look away when <laughs> I'm thinking sometimes. Uh, no, that's um, okay. Uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of interested in just sound in a room. You know, almost no objects. Oh, uh huh. You know, just maybe twenty speakers, but not. Speakers that are big, you know, yeah. speakers that are good, but, you know, and just um, uh, getting individual sounds in each of those speakers that somehow work together. I, I'm, that's kind uh-huh. of where I'm at. You yeah, know? similar Try- to kind of what you talked about doing at Elizabeth Nudie's sound bath that time, mm-hmm. um, sort of experimenting with these sounds and how they might mix or complement yeah. the other things that are coming about. Uh, it seems to me that, um, you know, there's just a lot of things that we haven't talked about that come along with this, you know, like you talked about, you know, choosing the wood, there must be, you must have gone through all kinds of different types of wood, uh, to see how things sound like based on that, that type of wood. Uh, Have you, have you kind of made any determinations as to the, the kind of wood that you like the sound the best of, or... Um, other materials that are, create interesting sounds, or, or it's not really they're creating the sound; they're they're um, they're using the sound; they're um, they're relaying the sound. Uh, is that a fair way to to put it? With you know these different materials, right, right, yeah. You're you're learning like uh, how all these different materials. Reflect sound, maybe is a mm-hmm. good way to put it. Because mm-hmm. they're not creating their own sound. No. But they're... they're reflecting, they're, carrying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Transmitting, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's just a ton to learn about that. So yeah. I think where Celia and I have started is what's available and what right. we can afford. Uh-huh. And, um, and I'm sure as we go along, we'll be finding more things and hopefully getting more funds so we can yeah. <laughs> get better materials. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, there's a lot to be learned. Yeah, yeah. It sounds, and you're just getting started. Yes. <laughs> you know, you're just, yes. you've yeah. only recently, um, you know, found this, and uh, it's just amazing. It's really exciting. Uh, well, I've, I've been sitting here with Beth, Beth Bradfish, and uh, I'm very excited to uh, find see more about uh, her, her, uh, her installation that's going to be at the Chicago Cultural Center starting in September. Does it have a name? Have you, uh, you know, what are they calling it? <laughs> I've been calling it Home Sounds, but we'll see if it, <laughs> okay, <laughs> if it evolves from yeah, there. Yeah, that sounds great. 
Uh, well, again, thank you very much for coming on the show. I've been here with Beth Bradfish, who is a uh, is a sound artist, and uh, like I said, started out as a musician and became a composer, and she's taken it ultimately to the next level. Very exciting. <laughs> And you've been listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. I'm John Goldman, and you've been listening to us on Radio Harbor Country, 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks. It's WRHC and WRHZ, 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. Thank you very much. Thanks, Beth. Thank you, Jen. See you soon. Thanks.